Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah and I'm here with Wendy Dizel and she's a licensed mental health what does that make sure you get licensed clinical mental health counselor? It's like a lot of words, right? Who <laughs> <laughs> specializes in fertility issues, family planning, um, grief in in regards to how you thought your parenting situation or having a baby situation was going to turn out, um, and then life turned out differently. Hey, Wendy, how are you? Good. I'm so good to see your face. Well, I know. Yeah. Wendy and I have like been trying to meet and it has, you know, so I'm just like, let's just wing it. Let's just talk. Let's do it. Let's wing it. We got this. Wendy, um, anything you want to add to telling people what you do and, and why you do it? Um, sure, sure. Just with my own personal journey, I fell into the reproductive health, but it really evolved to reproductive health across the lifespan because as you know, you know, birth to death, we are all sexual beings. So whether that be fertility, infertility, pregnancy, pregnancy after loss, postpartum, menopause. So mm-hmm. yeah, and I have a lot of my we we talked about infertility a lot previous to this interview, but I have a lot of women going through menopause type yeah. issues, the, the sexual changes around that as well. So God is life after menopause is my next course. God is life after God, goddess, goddess life. God after is menopause. Life. Okay. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> some things within um, the age of menopause that you, that throw women for a loop or they're, you know, they don't understand what's happening. Yeah. I really, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I wish they taught us these things in sex ed in middle school and high school, because it's usually just how not to get pregnant. And we really need to understand that as the wonderful women beings that we are, we, you know, we're living long, healthy lives now. And I know probably a lot of teenagers aren't going to, you're planting the seeds. They're not going to really listen, but you are planting the seeds and knowledge is power. And what really throws people for a loop with menopause is I wish somebody had told me that. So the anxiety um, anxiety and depression kind of go hand in hand with that, that estrogen deprivation. So that's the main thing is, is the anxiety that I hear. From you, yeah. And I have a lot of wonder women who deal with that. Do you, um, usually recommend estrogen supplements? I don't recommend supplements. I usually send them to their care provider, but I'm very much into the holistic piece. And here in Wilmington, North Carolina, we have a couple of folks who are medically trained in the holistic piece as well, but they are MDs or DOs. And so we work as a team. So if I have a thought or I have a training on something like, I'm not the doctor, but here's a couple of people that I would love for you to see so we can work in a team approach because it's not just all or nothing or one and done It is definitely a multi-layered approach. So it's so interesting because it's like, especially after a toxic relationship, like how much is, was the toxic relationship? How much was my childhood? How much is menopause? How much is hormone changes? How much is, you know? Um, yeah. You see a lot of, with anxiety and depression, do you see a lot of, I've heard this, but I haven't really studied it. Like different, do you notice women like having like sadness different times of the year? Um, 
I'm very much a developmental model. So kind of bouncing off what you said a second ago, um, different times of life, different seasons, whether it be the month or the year or the decade. So absolutely. And a lot of times depression isn't necessarily sadness. It comes across as irritability. It comes across as um, frustration. I see anxiety with women as the number one best friend with depression. So was well, aren't there like 60% of females on antidepressants or some type of anti-anxiety medication? That, that is a really good point. I'd have to look at, um, I keep like a little favorites list because I go through the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, um, Resolve and BioNews are my three go-tos that keep a lot of those stats. So <clears throat> I think we are doing a better job of teaching people the cognitive behavioral route, the nutritional route, the activity route. Um, And I mean, I'm not, I don't hate antidepressants, but I feel like there's a lot more we could be doing besides just, here you go, here's a pill, here's a pill, here's a pill. However, that being said, I have a lot of folks who serotonin deprivation, absolutely, it's like diabetes, they need their psychotropic, so... Yeah, yeah. So do you, what's your favorite nutritional? Um, I know we were in, we ended up talking about something totally different. Really interested in, in, in what you're saying. Um, when you think about the nutritional, uh, what are some nutritional pieces that women may not even realize is leading to anxiety and depression? Um, yeah. One of my very dear friends is a registered dietitian, and she and I have these conversations, especially with um, the work that I do with reproductive health and the fertility and the pregnancy piece and the postpartum is inflammation. So what are we ingesting that is causing inflammation? Is it dairy? Is it meat? I mean, you know, obviously work with your dietitian on that or do your research, <clears throat> but excuse me, but really an anti-inflammatory nutritional plan. I like turmeric. Wonderful. I love turmeric with black pepper. I put turmeric powder in my smoothie every single day. And I've noticed just personally, not professionally, but personally a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Has What about gluten? Is that now, it's an inflammatory? And if, you know, we know, I don't know if you've read the old book, Wheat Belly or Sugar Busters. I mean, sugar, alcohol, sugar, um, wheat, gluten can certainly cause inflammation in the body. I always recommend a naturopath for folks with that. So this is, I've had a, a holistic chiropractor who told me to give up gluten years ago um, and for lots of health reasons. And I think that's important to recognize because even when I did a Brendan Burchard's high performance coaching, mm-hmm. one of the very first things he addressed is diet. And I was just like, no, you like a high school boy half the time, you know, but everyone is, when everyone is saying the same thing. Yes. It's worth listening. The gut and- affects the mood. Absolutely. Gut health equals mental and physical health. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah. So he told me to give up gluten. Now this is fascinating. So when I was in the, my COVID project was a pageant. It was my first pageant at, I was 37 and it already had two nine pound babies. My first one. Uh, and it was because I model like getting past fear but a lot of the things that are scary for other people aren't scary for me at this point in my life. Right. Cause I'm just used to getting right. out there on camera, you know, but a swimsuit competition against 23 year olds who've been married for like six weeks during COVID. Oh, life that's different. 
Yeah. Yeah, that'll do it. So basically all I did was give up gluten and it was like the anti-inflammatory would made such a huge difference in my body. Um, yes, it made such a huge difference in, uh, my body, just, just that alone. And, and, and to notice that on the outside, just imagine what it's doing on the inside and just with the, the brain fog and the inflammation with just your mental health. I mean, I'm sure, did you have more clarity? Uh, probably I think so. Of course I was also had, that's a hard question to answer because I was also in a stage of, I was having to learn a lot of new things that I normally wouldn't have. Right. So probably yes, but I would have to honestly have to couple it with when you're like having to learn all these things you hadn't, you know, you probably don't, it kind of feels overwhelming. So it felt a bit overwhelming anyway, but um, now does inflammation also play a big part into infertility? That is a really good question. I would say talk with your reproductive endocrinologist on the current data, but we don't want to put unnecessary pressure on folks. Like you're the cause. If you eat this, this is going to happen. If you don't eat this, you're going to cause a miscarriage. We don't want to put that kind of pressure on folks, just like stress and infertility, which came first, the chicken or the egg. Does stress cause infertility or does infertility cause stress? Well, we definitely know that infertility causes stress. And there are some types of chronic long-term stressors that can affect ovulation. I mean, there's tons of research out there about that, but what I don't want people to take away from our conversation is, Oh my gosh, I did that. I did something wrong. I caused this issue. So yeah, I wouldn't say that if you have a French fry, you're going to cause inflammation. And cause inflammation. No. <laughs> well, that's a great point because putting that on, <laughs> pressure on women um, yeah. is obviously bad, but you talked about toxic positivity too yeah. in before we connected and that puts another type of pressure on women, right? Can you talk about that a bit? It does. And I think it puts a lot of pressure on everyone because we are not taught as a society that we can lean in and have emotion. We really just rush to fix it, make it all better. Oh, here, just think positive. Um, look at what you have to be grateful for. That is toxic positivity. If you have a friend, a family member, a partner who has gone through something tragic, horrific, even even if it's something basic that you don't think is tragic or full circle back to the fertility stuff, we want to lean in. We want to hold space for them. We don't have to say anything to make it better. It sucks. It stinks. This is a horrible, horrible disease. And it manifests in many different ways and telling people to turn the other cheek or to it'll, it'll be okay. It'll all be better. Or well, you have one kid, you know, toxic. Yeah. Uh, so my, one of my best friends, they kept, they kind of, when they didn't know what to say to her, mm-hmm. they said, well, you, your family used to live in Brazil. So maybe this is God's plan for you to adopt a baby in Brazil after she had multiple miscarriages and I remember just thinking like, oh, you know, and, and I'll say the same thing for our listeners. When you get out of a toxic relationship and people are like, oh, good, you've left, but you're trying to co-parent, you're trying to parallel parent, you're trying to. And it's like, whoa, my life is still really, really hard, maybe even up to 10 years later. Yes. But people are like, oh, but you're not with them anymore. So it shouldn't be hard. And it's like this, this current situation is a nightmare. 
Like, Absolutely. And my favorite, you just hit it. My favorite affirmation is acknowledge, embrace, walk through. So as a friend or a significant other of someone who is going through something like that, what they want us to say, and you can ask if you don't know, what do you need? I'm so sorry that you're going through this. What do you need from me right now? Nothing. I just want you to sit with me. I just need you to hold space. There's nothing you can do. But what they really need from us is, I'm so sorry, this, this stinks that you even have to be dealing with this. Yeah, a recent kind of metaphor I thought about like someone um, doggy paddling, trying to stay survive, you know, trying to survive, whether it be carriages, the shame, the toxic relationship, whatever. And they're, they're, they're like nose is kind of sticking up out of the ocean and they're just pedaling, pedaling, pedaling. And Maybe it's a toxic parent's voice in their head. It's, you know, trying to parallel parent, trying to whatever, like dragging them down. And they're just paddling as hard as they can. And people are like, oh, but at least you're not, but at least you have one kid. At least, you know. We want to acknowledge where they are, what they're going through and help them embrace that because that's normal. We have to process those things. So acknowledge it, embrace it. And then the walkthrough is possibly the productive reframe. And the reframe doesn't have to be positive. It can be something productive like, I'm here for you. What do you need physically, emotionally, sexually, spiritually, financially? I mean, it doesn't have to be rainbows and unicorns and sunshine. It can be just productive, not positive. So. Ooh, I love that. Productive, not positive. So do you have any other tips? I'm sure within what you do, a lot of it is helping people grieve and maybe even grieving something that hasn't happened, like whether it's a baby or a loving relationship or something, a grieving a future they thought they would have. Um, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. There's actually in my program, there's a whole lot grieving the future you thought you were going to have because it's great. Yes. And and, oh, that is good. In reproductive health, so often I have single folks, couples get to me after they've tried everything and they are not going to have a biological child and they have to choose to grieve, you know, what could have been with their own biological child or do we want to adopt or do we want to be child-free thriving Or do we want to look at donor egg, donor sperm, donor embryo? So adoption is not a cure. It is a calling. And so when people come to me to grieve these genetic losses, we talk about all of those things. That was was a good one. The grieving of what could have been, the grieving of what may or may not happen in the future. And do you tell people to kind of like model like the future you know like if they was like okay I'm choosing between path one path two path three do you kind of teach them to imagine what that might be and kind of the pros and cons of that or how do you help them move into some type of new acceptance I am very much a visualizer and that doesn't mean thinking about and ruminating what if, what if, what if. It means, like you said, if we have all of these options, okay, what would option one look like for you? The pros, the cons, the costs, the benefits. Do you see it? Do you feel it? Do you hear it? And go through that with each option. 
and the best one rises to the top. And we address the grief that comes up. We address any and all feelings that come up with that, any thought, because the process is what has to happen. We don't, as a society, allow people their process. And if we don't process, we have complicated grief. We have post-traumatic stress disorder. We stay stuck. And so often, in particular, with fertility, pregnancy, or postpartum, we are not allowing folks the process. And that's where counseling or coaching or psychologists, counselors, social workers that specialize in that come in handy because they can offer you that that light at the end of the tunnel of, oh, I am allowed to lean in and have this process. Oh, I can set boundaries with my friends and family and et cetera. And that is an important thing um, in what you need other people to say Mm -hmm. times, you know, uh, now I, because of my friends going through infertility, I never say, so are you going to have a baby? Like, (laughs) you know, because there's often a backstory or, um, you know, So you still single? So you still this? Like it's exactly. We don't know what people's story is. And so often that small talk of so when you're gonna have kids or oh where's the significant other? You know that too. Those can be triggers for people. We really have to be more mindful of hey, if somebody's not with somebody, is it my business to know them? Can I not talk to them about something else that's relevant and, and kind and compassionate? Well, as women, it's almost, um, have you ever seen, uh, like, I, I imagine, like, the old, like, like a gypsy woman or something, she's like, oh, the matchmaker, you need to be this, you need to be this, you need to have baby, you need to this, and, like, as a society of females, like, moving past that, because it's hardly ever a dude saying, right. so you're having a baby, like, yeah. guys are actually more respectful of this, yeah. you know, this is something most females are doing to each other. Yeah. Um, and really being mindful of as we as a society evolve as females, you know, yeah. some of feminism can look a whole lot more than just women having jobs. Yes. And supporting each other. And if we don't know what to say, just say that, you know, I really don't know what to say or do, but I, I'm here. I'm here for you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Um, anything else that you just think, I really wish more people knew this. Yeah, that, that's a that's a that's a great point to you. What is in your toolbox? I wish everybody knew that they can have a wonderful, rich toolbox of passive and active things to daily reset their system. If this doesn't work today, keep it in the toolbox. It might work tomorrow. So looking for those active and passive things like what hobbies, what activities, what movement. I really don't like the word exercise because it has a negative connotation for me. So I like movement. Mm-hmm. Um, what passive, so guided meditation, what affirmation practice. Um, so often people think that meditation is this, you know, you have to clear your mind, you have to be super focused. Now, there's so many cool things that you can do to take care of yourself. And these things are self-care forever. They're not just temporary to stop a stress response. We don't want to stop the natural process. We want to acknowledge it, embrace it, and walk through it. And your toolbox will help you do that. So Okay, that's a really good point because I'll say, you know, people say, you know, how do I stop fight, flight, freeze, fawn? And it's like, well, that's the signal that there's danger. Yes, we want that. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> you don't want to. There is no such thing as like a life with no danger. Um, I guess 
like even this year, like when people stuck in their houses, it's probably one of the most safe environments. You never leave your house. You're just always in there, never around anyone. And still it felt so emotionally unsafe. Yeah. Except for introverts. Introverts did really well. Extroverts, however, did not. <laughs> okay. I'm like, uh, are you an extrovert? I'm an ambivert. I'm right there in the middle. So I'm a hundred percent extrovert. Like every, even when I work, typically, like I have this, I have a podcast room. I have a beautiful office right there that I literally never go in. Um, and I'll work from a coffee shop or where there's buzzing people. Right. It's just yeah. So uh, the podcast. Yeah took off when, during when I was locked in my house and I could not have straight, you know, conversation. Great came out of something negative. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was social anxiety for sure. Um, in the office. You were, deprived. you were being deprived of a coping skill. I mean, Absolutely. that's how you thrive is through other people's energy. And they're not right or wrong. They're just different. Introvert, ambivert, extrovert. But you were literally, your main coping skill was being just sucked right out of you. It was. I was like going to the grocery store and feeling like I had like a bullet on my chest because I couldn't like talk to the little old man eating potatoes. You know, it was very much a coping strategy. But obviously we were talking about tools in the toolbox. Um, Having interesting conversations with people is a pretty safe coping strategy compared to, you know, drugs. Like. Because there are tools in the toolbox that probably don't need to be there, like excessive alcohol or drugs or excessive eating. There's lots of things that are good for us that can end up not being good for us. So when I say tools in the toolbox, I mean the productive tools for the toolbox. And there's a difference in being productive and being distractive. Correct. That's where the acknowledge, embrace, walk through comes in is we don't suppress. We want to acknowledge and embrace. However, distracting after you've embraced and walked through acknowledge and embrace is perfectly acceptable because we want to ruminate, ruminate, ruminate. We want to distract. We want to, you know, ground ourselves, go for that bike ride, go for that yoga session. So there's, there's definitely a difference. Yeah. At that point, I think about if there's a, well, I have this little buddy here. If they, pretend this is like a wolf, you know, if this is like a wolf and I'm like, I'm just going to watch Netflix and pretend and it's like, you know, like biting me in the head, that's inappropriate distraction. So sure. me, I acknowledge the wolf and I kind of put it in a cage and I'm just like, wolf, 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 you know, that's, that's the ruminating. That's that piece. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poor little bunny, you know. No, I know. <laughs> that is so funny that you had that because you know the kids' book, Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus? Yes, I yes. An actual pigeon from Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus. And I use that with some of the kids and the adults that I work with because when anxiety drives our bus, that's the pigeon driving the darn bus. We got to yeah. take the pigeon and put him over here. Anxiety move over. We're driving the bus. So. Yeah. I love it. Well, Wendy, this has been an amazing conversation. Any, um, so, um, fertilityaffirmations.com is my website. Innersolutionscounseling.com is also a place that people can reach out and get a hold of me. Um, those two places and Instagram, um, is at fertile affirmations. Awesome. Wendy, thank you so much for coming here and helping us on our journey to becoming toxic person proof. I love it. Thank you. 
Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support. And most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.